You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, I'm Ralph Powell, co founder and CEO of Real Vision. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Vision podcast. At Real Vision, we pride ourselves on providing the best in-depth expert analysis available to help you understand the complex world of finance, business, and the global economy. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll accept my invitation to try Real Vision Plus for 30 days for just $1. Visit realvisionpodcast.com today and join us as we navigate the financial world together. Cheers. As the health food craze grows, we're going to see a lot more mini robotic drones. Welcome to the knock-on effect. This is the knock-on effect, where we start with a thing you know and end up in a strange place. I'm Justine Underhill. I'm Alex Schesenberg. And uh, we're going to get you from point A, health food trends, to point B, mini robotic drones. Oh, that ain't point B. That, that's point, point, point X. Yeah, yeah point Z. Uh, it's a circuitous route, but we will get there. Um, and today we're going to start with the health food craze. Um, and basically, I mean, Alex, you can tell us a little bit more about what's been happening in the health food craze because you're a big part of it, right? Oh, I'm a huge part of it. I'm the, in, in terms of health trendsetters, you're at the forefront. Yeah, I mean it's it's basically Dr. Do- who who are the health food people in these days? I don't even know. Like Tim Ferriss talks yeah, about health. Exactly. Tim Ferriss and me. Uh the two titans of podcast health so healthery. You're on you've been on I'm a fancy on a diet. diet. I'm, on, I'm on what's called the uh the keto diet. Also known as the bacon diet. Yes. Uh uh it's keto is ketogenic. You know, basically it's it's uh you're not supposed to eat uh, sugars and carbs, and you're supposed to keep your fats pretty high. So it's not like restrictive, like you can't eat this, but you're supposed to keep your carbs below a certain level, keep your keep your uh, proteins above a certain level, and you can use fat to compensate if you need more food. And a big part of what you just said is that you got to keep your sugars yeah. towards. Oh, forget it. You can't. You can't with the sugar. Yeah, it's hard to get rid of sugar. But I mean, and that's been a big thing is that most diets. I mean, sugar understandably, has been demonized <laughs> in many ways. Um, people are looking for no-sugar-added, low-sugar foods. Um, and so the beneficiary of that is honey. Now, honey which I, yeah, isn't which I can't necessarily eat. better. I mean, and you still can't eat it. But, it tastes better, I'll tell you that. Yeah, okay, so there's something to do with that but and the flavors. But um, honey's become sort of this organic, healthful food that people— it has some sort of halo effect. Yeah. Um, so you can still, uh, a company can still get away with adding sugar and making it taste desirable, um, but uh, basically using honey instead. Honey's a lot more, it's, it's, so it's more interesting, it's more flavors, it's a nicer word, it's less, you know, chemical kind of a word. Sugar. It's, uh, can, it's, it's pretty. Yeah, and, and so that's why, I mean, there's so many products. I went to the grocery store and there's honey yogurt and honey protein bars and honey teas and everything like that. I mean, I, it's- I did buy, I bought a, uh, I was in Burlington and uh, I bought a 
There's like a raw honey protein bar. Okay. Uh, you're I not convinced gonna, myself I was able to eat. Right, somehow. but guess what? You're not going to see a raw sugar protein bar no. anytime soon. So um, there definitely is a, a trend towards honey in some ways. Um, and it's not for nothing that Kellogg changed the name of its cereal Sugar Smacks to Honey Smacks. Right, one sounds like a drug, another sounds like a domestic violence case, but... Honey Smacks? Kind of. Sugar smacks, I'll agree with, though. That's, that sounds pretty bad. And so that's what's been happening, is that global demand for honey has been expanding rapidly as consumers are increasingly— Honey smacks, it's like, no, Your Honor, they were just honey smacks. You know? <laughs> it was, you know, like, oh, it was just a love bite. You know, you, you remember that? Anyway, the no. Nick's announcer. Who, oh, gosh. That. So the point of the story, uh-huh. why we got into all yeah. this— uh, is that global demand for honey is expanding rapidly as consumers are increasingly looking for natural alternatives to cane sugar and artificial sweeteners. So that's sort of where we stand. So on the one hand, we have increasing demand, if you can picture that in your head. And then on our other hand, we have supply. So what's been going on with supply? Well, over the past decade, beekeepers have been experiencing dramatic colony losses with Average bee losses of 24 to 30%. Sounds like they're not living up to their name. What? Beekeepers? Yeah, they're not keep, they're bee losers. <laughs> so something that's, it's part of this phenomenon called CCD or colony collapse disorder. Um, and that's been a big issue. It's interesting though, because it was only discovered in, or it was at least formally announced. It started happening. In 2006. Right, started happening then. A little bit before then, but um, it was all around that time. So, you know, what what was the cause of that? I mean, and so that's sort of been a big, a big mystery. What happens though, is that basically a significant portion of worker bees die out unexpectedly, and we'll get to those causes. And because the queen bee needs the nectar provided by those worker bees, uh, to nurse newbies, ultimately just the entire colony collapses. And so that also means a lot of the livelihoods of of some of these beekeepers, unfortunately. Mm. So it's not just that the worker bees are unionizing and <laughs> revolting. They're only working nine to five. No, they're they're actually dying. And so the question is, you know, what what caused I'll them take to die? Took the air out of that joke. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, this is a serious topic. Okay, I know, so I know, I know. scientists don't fully understand the cause. Um, so Again, it started around 2006. So what happened? So let's try to solve this mystery. And I have a few key points. Well, let's see. Black Eyed Peas. Uh, released their album. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, cell phones became much more widely used. So that was the first thought, is that maybe cell phones were part of the problem. So um, everyone was carrying these little electromagnetic transmitters and cell phone towers were dotting the landscape. And so some thought that maybe the radiation could disorient the bees. Uh, I will nix that idea. Researchers say that that is not a role in the colony collapse disorder. In general, do you remember when everyone was really worried about cell phones? Like, do uh, you, do you remember the show, uh, the movie, uh, Thank You for Smoking? Uh-huh. And at the end of it, they, like, had a, a cell phone lobbyist. Like, he was also, like, peddling oh. something that was killing people. It was, like, a, really an issue people were concerned with. I mean— And and that concern has, you know, people— people might, dissipated. I, I used to, I used to when I would put my cell phone in my, in my lap, my mom would be like, hey, <laughs> careful, you're not going to be able to have kids. And, like, I feel like that concern has completely People use, gone still use away. Bluetooth headsets and stuff like that. I feel like, 
I wonder maybe in the next, you know, couple decades there'd be more research and then we'll say actually maybe it is a problem. No, but, but it doesn't I don't I think the the, it the is. gains that we get from them certainly seem to outweigh any yeah, losses. Right. But it's not I don't even think it's like that. Like cars yeah. that you know, right, you can people say that about cars, but like I don't think people are dying of cell phone. All right. We'll find out. Let's yeah. We'll we'll play this back in twenty years and see how right you were. <laughs> anyway, the next possibility is that there was a loss of habitat. So basically we have urbanization mm. and that means a loss of biodiversity in even in rural landscapes yeah. because of a single crop um, planting. Monocultures where they only yeah. plant corn or like yes, they only exactly. raise chickens. And so then basically what happens to the bees is that they're more susceptible to disease because they don't have that diversity in their diet. So that's one possibility. The next one was that maybe it was frankenplants. Frankenplants being um, modified plants created by Monsanto that basically produce toxins to repel pests. Hmm. That's how it works. Hmm. So, for example, monarch butterflies were actually heavily impacted um, by the polluted pollen created by BT corn, which is a special type of corn. Um, well, well, they, they, and monarch butterflies didn't they also see some of their habitat get destroyed? Too? Yeah, so there is they they've yeah. they've been suffering similar. It's been a tough, time, for the it's been a tough monarch time to be butterflies and queen bees. All, all yeah. the all the insect uh, tough time to be a royalty. Is in oh trouble. yes, okay, I like that categorization. Um, but I will say it doesn't seem like Franken plants are the main driver here. There is evidence, however, that Monsanto— This message brought to you by Monsanto. Yeah, right, that that um, Monsanto's Roundup, the weed killer, might be a problem. This is really recent news. According to new research published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, Roundup actually targets and damages a beneficial enzyme in bee guts, and that actually makes them more susceptible to fatal infections. Well, and you know what I found out about—sorry, <laughs> I, I hate to go on so many tangents— uh, Slash, love to go on so many tangents. But you know what I found about Roundup is that you can often taste it in wine. Oh. Like wine that's where, where they, they patrol the vineyards with Roundup. Like you can actually taste that pesticide. And the pesticide will often taste like rotting uh, rotting wood. I was reading about this last night. And so growers have a problem, even, more, even organic growers, if someone's spraying Roundup at the parcel next to their field, there have been these farm, these. Uh, vintners uh, who are buying up the neighboring parcels so they can prevent them from being sprayed with Roundup because they feel like it's Ugh. impacting the flavor of their. I mean, that's this is some bad shit. This yeah. Roundup stuff. Yeah, actually, and and so that's been a huge. Um, I mean, if you think about pesticides, you don't realize how that gets into the supply chain or the food chain specifically, and what what that does. I mean, so God, to the you taste, love supply chains is so much. I love supply chains. Well, I will get to the big. A killer of bees, which is something called Varroa destructor. So it's a tiny parasitic mite. It latches onto the larval bee bodies like a tick, and then basically it spread disease and, and weakens the entire colony. Um, so that's probably the biggest factor here, but for the bees, it's probably like death by a thousand cuts. So this, so, so it's basically a, a, a parasite that's killing the bees one by one by attaching to larva. Right. So that, okay. that sort of and as another side note, I mean mm. this whole thing, we were talking about it being a mystery, but here's where it gets even weirder in terms of colony collapse. So the Varroa destructor that might was introduced to the US in the 1980s. And so why did it take until 2006 for something to actually happen? But then another note is that Australia is one of the few nations in the world that has remained free of that might so far. Um 
And so far, you know, they haven't been having colony collapse disorder. So is there anything we can do to get rid of the mite? Well, the thing is, is that, you know, why would it have taken so long for that to happen in the U.S.? So, you know, it doesn't seem like it's being, it's completely caused by this mite. Um, And, you know, because Australia also has- The mite, I have to say, is a very convenient excuse because everything else we have to blame humans and some, the, all, all of those three of your other explanations were oh, like, we have to human. blame humans. Yeah. This one's like, no, it's the mite's fault. <laughs> well, I will say humans introduced the mite to the bees in some way. I mean, just through globalization. I know. It's um, like when you introduce your friend to that guy and you're like, God, you know, he's wish- bad news. Why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. Anyway, so back to the main story. So on the one hand, you have high demand, if you remember what was in your hands. And on the other hand, you have... Uh, the whole world? Short supply. Because okay. the whole world is in my hands. I'm no. paying attention. Yes, okay. short supply. Yes, small supply, big demand, prices going up, no? Yes. And actually, that's what happened. Honey prices have gone up, but pretty much since 2006, it's a pretty steady climb higher. Although honey prices didn't go as high as you would expect, given the fact that uh, bees were being wiped out at a rate of 30 percent per year. So what was happening? Why did prices not go up as much as expected? Hmm. And this is where we get into the sticky world of honey laundering. Uh-oh. Yeah. So basically honey is one of the most expensive forms of sugar. But, you know, basically at the end of the day, what is it? It's a opaqueish brownish liquid. And that's it. And so that means that if you add a little bit of corn syrup or maybe some beet mm. to it. Uh, beet? Did you say beet? Yeah, beet uh, sugar is something you, you can add careful. to it. It's going to turn red if you add too much. Yeah, you, just a little bit. Uh, you could increase your profit margins by quite a bit because, you know, per pound honey is more, more yeah, the most expensive form of sugar or one of them. It's like arbitrage. You're putting in something, you're taking something cheap and turning it into something expensive. Yes, exactly. A little bit of alchemy. To be fair, I mean, that's what bees do, you know? They take things that oh, are just yeah. in the environment and they make into honey. So, so I mean, it is, you know. Is it, is it honey? That's a, it is honey. That's what people are doing. Corn, they're corn taking syrup. things that are is hanging out and they're turning it into honey. Well, so making it more valuable, just like the bees. Oh, my gosh. Well, according to Michigan State's uh, University's Food Fraud Initiative, honey is the world's third most counterfeited food product. Um, now, is that in terms of like the number of products sold or? By volume is my understanding. Right, okay. And so this gets into uh, what is the first most counterfeited product? Do you want to get into it? Yeah. Well, so we talked about this in the, in the video episode. I guess one of the two. Um, mm-hmm. well, the, the one I guess was olive oil. Which is actually uh, might be interesting for another knock-on effect because that is mm-hmm. a pretty crazy world going on there, especially with all these fake olive oil products coming up. Right. And well, and a lot of it's fake. They could say it's extra virgin, but really yeah. it's just mere virgin. Uh, other faked products include Parmesan cheese. Yeah. They add wood pulp to it. That was according to a Bloomberg report recently, a few years ago. Um, but but they found a lot of additives, and you know, one of them maybe was wood pulp. But. Right. Um, and then ground coffee is another one. Uh, there were twigs, stone, barley, and corn husks found to bulk up the product. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, a little bit of corn husk with your coffee. Um, And so basically what happened was that um, American production dropped off because, you know, we were losing our honeybees. And China 
began flooding U.S. markets with honey, okay. but adulterated honey. Mm. So not, not the pure stuff. And this is actually fairly serious because, you know, if it's being cut with corn syrup or beet sugar, that's not poisonous, although it is misleading because they are labeling it something that it's not. Uh, but if the honey contains something like chloramphenicol, I hope I pronounced that right, chloramphenicol, uh, a powerful antibiotic that can lead to a potentially fatal bone marrow disorder. It's not approved for use in the U.S. Um, it's a common contaminant in adulterated Chinese honey. Well, you know what? Michelle always says, she tells me to eat honey. She says it has antibiotic properties, so I guess she's right. Oh, yeah. I guess if you are eating the Chinese honey. Yeah. Well, but guess what happened? So honey from China gets banned from the U.S. specifically because of these issues, because right. of all this like faked and adulterated honey. Right, so that would make prices go up more. Well, that's where smuggling comes in. So while the import of Chinese honey is banned, the price difference was big enough that it made it worthwhile for smugglers to relabel it and ship it to the mm. U.S. anyway. So basically, um, we no longer had honey coming from China, but then mysteriously, we saw a spike in honey imports from Indonesia, Malaysia, India, um, and even countries with few bees and no record of ever exporting honey. Uh, we started getting imports from Singapore and the Bahamas. And then um, there was also reports of- let the bees out. Yeah, <laughs> of, of Reports of uh, honey being repackaged as a product of Russia, um, but it was actually from China and being shipped to the U.S. And one German honey distributor mm -hmm. did this sort of illegal transshipment for seven years, um, and they basically imported $80 million worth of banned Chinese honey before getting caught. And I, I, this is a quote from the uh, Bloomberg Businessweek report on the story. So the honey often had an odor and a taste similar to sauerkraut. Fawn, a worker, was told to mix sugar and syrup into the honey in Taiwan to dull the pungent flavor. Was it just because like Germans love sauerkraut so yeah, much that they- They made they their honey shipping. taste like sauerkraut? I no. love this. I thought it was interesting that the German uh, distributor was importing sauerkraut tasting honey. But no, but maybe no every country has their own, you know, Pungent. kind of thing. Well, like Jamaica imports jerk flavored honey. And it it was tasting like sauerkraut in Taiwan, so it wasn't oh, okay. it wasn't tasting like that in Germany. Um, and we've just it's been headline after headline um, over the past few years. In 2016, 42 tons of illegal Chinese honey was seized at the port of Miami. Last year, European investigators found fraud on such a large scale that they dubbed it Honeygate, um, and they had to test all levels of the supply chain. They had they collected over two thousand samples. There are entire like labs that specialize in just honey sampling and making sure that this is real honey versus you know adulterated honey. Is that like government governments do that or um, sometimes it's private. Uh, there are some government. Uh, facilities too. Um, and the issue though is that on top of that, there are very little standards. So the USDA created a, a voluntary grading system that basically lets producers slap grade A, B, or C onto their labels with basically no enforcement. So the formula though uh, scores five specific elements, uh, things like defects, um, how much moisture, but 
those grading rules basically skip what I would deem a pretty important factor, which is how much corn syrup or other additives are in this honey. It's a tricky thing because honey is the one ingredient listed. So honey is itself an ingredient. So you don't see like corn syrup and other things right. listed on. But you just shouldn't be able to, to li like, you should, like, like so when chocolate is listed on a chocolate bar, for instance, mm -hmm. they'll say chocolate, and then in parentheses, they'll say. What it is, you know, yeah. Cocoa, sugar, milk, blah, 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 blah. So you should just, you should only be able to use the word honey in the ingredients list to refer to actual honey. So you should have to say honey, comma, corn syrup. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that the FDA, I mean, this has been something that's been brought up time and time again with the FDA. Um, and basically, they quote the FDA uh, shared their, quote, concerns about adulterated and misbranded honey, end quote, but they actually deferred to Webster's Dictionary for the definition of honey okay. um, and cited it as adequate, which is, quote, a thick, sweet, syrupy substance that bees make as food from the nectar of flowers and store in honeycombs. Now, that to me sounds That's like honey, honey but uh, apparently um, you can label something as honey even if it does contain other but bees aren't making. If bees don't make, make it, it, it then you honey. shouldn't be able to label it honey. Yeah. Well, anyway, back I mean, let's be. in terms of grading things A, B, or C, it's a total free for all. So there, we have a quote here from the Federal Register from on the USDA, uh, which reads, "Quote: Honey does not require official inspection in order to carry official USDA grade marks, and there are no existing programs that require the official inspection and certification of honey." Basically, at the end of the day, enforcement is completely based on responding to complaints. They're not actually testing this honey ahead of time to make sure it's which it's makes really no honey. sense. Why? I mean, why? Why? Do they just? I mean, they don't do that with meat. They don't just say, "Oh yeah, grade A beef, go for yeah, it." Yeah, and that's kind of strange. What's more, what's particularly interesting to me is that the more specific and expensive the honey is, the more likely it is to be faked. Um, so one of the world's most coveted honeys is called Manuka. It's produced only in New Zealand and Australia. Mm -hmm. um, it's very popular. And in the UK, 86% of the brands that were tested were faked. Because guess what? You're pro you can make more money. I mean, it's where the profit margins are. Right. Um, and so if you think you're buying something that's like top of the line, there's a good chance it's uh, been been tampered with. Mm. Um, so basically, this entire environment has meant that it's incredibly difficult for U.S. beekeepers to com compete. Mm. And while some of them have just gone out of business, others have been able to hold on um, because of the pollination business. And that is big business, okay. pollination. Okay. So whether it be almonds or apples or coffee, cocoa, um, those all need bees. Alfalfa hay, which uh, feeds dairy cows, sure. that needs bees. Um, so many products need bees. Of the 100 crop species that provide 90% of the food worldwide, okay, so 100 crops provide 90% of the food, 71 are dependent on bee pollination. Oh. That's according to the UN. And they say that the pollination business well, pollination in general, is worth between $37 billion and $91 billion annually. So whether you take the low end or the high end, it's still a huge amount relies specifically on pollination. Right, and I mean, you know, it's it's a little weird to put it in dollar terms. Like, if nothing was pollinated, humans and all other animals would mostly mm -hmm. just 
die, right? (laughs) Yeah, so it is a little strange to put a number on that. But um, yes, this is basically life uh, depends on pollination. Um, And so as I mentioned, almonds are heavily dependent on bees. And every year there's a call that goes out to beekeepers across the country in the U.S. to bring their hives to California. And they bring their hives to California specifically because the almond orchards, which are heavily concentrated in California, need a huge amount of bees um, to prosper, to to become usable. So basically an acre of almond trees needs two hives. And so every February, 2.5 million colonies 2.5 million colonies. I just want to stress that. That's huge. Two-thirds of the commercial honeybee colonies in the U.S. are clustered in just a few California counties. Now, you can imagine that that becomes problematic because guess what? If some of the bees have this mite or some other disease, that suddenly gets spread to all the other bees. And then those bees get shipped back to Maine or wherever they came from. I mean, people drive across the country bringing their bees mm. to California, bring them back, and then that basically you can't means just that- can check them on the plane. You no, know, that means that disease spreads a lot quicker. And right. it's concerning to have such a concentrated supply. Cool, it's like bee summer camps. Like, hey, are, what, what, like, oh. what, what, what is those letters that you write to each other at the mm. end of summer camp every year? It's like, you know, can't, can't wait to see it. Isn't there like no. some abbreviation? No, no. Do you no. do summer camp? No. There's like some abbreviation. They're like, all right, see you next summer. Have a good year. Some of the bees are doing that some to each other. Thing. Well, actually, this has become like huge um, source or fodder for thieves. So thieves actually travel to <laughs> no. California. Okay. Um, and they, they will steal beehives um, from the almond orchards, $100,000 worth of bee hives were stolen a few years ago. Um, And so this is, I mean, that's an entire livelihood. Um, There's this poor farmer that I was, or excuse me, there was a poor beekeeper that I was reading about and his hive got stolen and he basically lost everything. I mean, that was his- Do you have insurance? Can you get insurance? I don't know if there's bee insurance. Um, But anyway, so basically, oh, one more thing. Uh, Roger, so our- Co-worker, professor. professor. Yeah. Um, he's our co-worker too. Um, he has a beautiful place in the English countryside. He certainly does. And he's been interested in getting into the bee business. Um, and so he was looking at where he could put the bees. And he knew that if he put them near the roadside, they would get stolen because it's such a hot business over there. Wow. So he, he was trying to look for some place where it's a little bit more hidden. You would think like bees are their own security system. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it is difficult to steal bees. I don't know. I mean, literally the last thing I would steal. Yeah. It's like stealing a grizzly bear. <laughs> Just come with me. No, no. Well, anyway, so over the past decade, prices for pollination services have climbed from $80 to over $200 per um, hive. So that summer, that, that, you know, that's a $500 million business. That, just that summer camp, bee summer camp. Bee alone. summer camp is very, very expensive. Gosh, you remember last summer we were eating all that all those almond flowers? Yeah, right. Um, and so basically, uh, as it's become more and more difficult for beekeepers to stay in business, and prices for pollination services have climbed, crop growers are now looking for something different. Uh, they're looking at robotic bees. Um, so this actually could become big business. Um, this year, Walmart actually filed a patent for robotic bees. Okay. 
um, technically called pollination drones. And it's cute because they literally are like bee drones. Drone bees, yeah. So they're drone drones. Actually, you're not supposed to use that, that term anymore. Oh, what? Drone bees. Considered somewhat offensive. Oh, it's pejorative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks, thanks for keeping us you're up welcome. to date. Um, but these things could potentially pollinate crops, just like real bees. Um, and then um, researchers at the University of Harvard. The <laughs> University of Harvard. Uh, no. Yeah, I vaguely recall hearing about oh that one. Oh my gosh, um, I, I read that backwards. They you can just say Harvard, you know, people know it's a school. I know, but I have all these notes. All and right, all right. I'm so used to saying university of. Anyway, so basically, uh, researchers at Harvard um, actually introduced uh, robo-bees. And these robo-bees can stick to surfaces, swim underwater, dive in and out of water. Um, and they believe that these... Com ro commit, like... Uh, bio bioterrorism, probably. Oh gosh! Well, the Walmart patent actually um, those p potential bees, yeah. drones, potential bees. whatever they are. Okay. I don't know what they are. Um, they are remotely controlled, and they have the ability to automatically detect pollen, which is kind of cool. I mean, so these things could one day be on. We have, a farm. we have another coworker who can automatically detect pollen. Yeah. Oh, we have another coworker that has really bad allergies. You're oh, right. That's a nicer. What I said was a nicer way of putting it. Yeah, but just to be clear to the audience, because that's something I get that nobody else might. Um, anyway, so basically, the line of thought here is that the health food craze has meant that we see more honey products, right. um, and increasing demand for those honey products has been fulfilled by China which has meant that there were a lot of fakes that were coming in the market that put a lot of U.S. beekeepers out of business that has also pushed up pollination costs. And so now um, orchards and other crop growers are looking for more robotic bees or other pollination devices. I mean, can't we say, so I, I want to make a comparison sure. to, uh, you're going to be shocked that I'm going here, but comparison to the world of uh, of wine. Oh, um, yes. So, there's there's a a horrible horrible pest uh, wine pest called uh, phylloxera I think it's pronounced or phylloxera mm -hmm. P H Y L O X E R A and it basically destroyed almost every French vine in uh, I want to say like the 30s and 40s okay um, completely decimated the crop and um, and it's 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 a horrible pest because what it does is it doesn't even eat the whole thing. It's like very rude. It literally just eats in a line down the row, like one bit of the root. Mm -hmm. So it severs the root. It's horrible. Wow. But so um, basically, what French winemakers had to have to, had to do was, and, and and in a lot of places in Europe, is to take American vines because Americans have basically taken European vines and started to grow their own, you know, Zinfandel or Cabernet or whatever. And they had to take their and graft um, their own vines onto the American rootstock. Wow. So it took a while for these vines to regrow. Some people claim that French wine isn't the same. Some people claim that wine that's not grafted, like in the state of, uh, uh, in Washington state, actually, mm -hmm. that, that are generally don't graft. Some people claim that that's better. This is all a long way of saying, is is there some way that we can help the bees just like uh, just like the French helped their vines? Is, is there are there some kind of bees that are resistant to it? Can we can we introduce some genetic 
change into the bees that makes them resistant to the mites. So some sort of CRISPR genetic change. Sure. Um, And this is where it gets tricky because anytime you're messing with biological systems, it just, it gets very, very messy. I will say actually for a final point, um, there are some private labeling um, sources that are coming out. So True Source Honey, which is a certified labeling program, is now picking up traction. Um, And it's basically the good housekeeping seal of approval for something like honey. Um, And that sort of is a way to, at least in the private sphere, prevent as widespread um, honey fraud. But, but, But people have to know about it um, and buy it rather than relying on, oh, this is grade A. It must be good. Right, right. Yeah. All wow. right. Well, anyway, we'll leave it at that for this week. A little bit of a depressing note, but um, keep an eye out for robotic mini bees flying like, around. literally keep an eye out because, you know, God, like Walmart's tiny drone army, like that just doesn't have a good ring to me. It's um, actually, there's a Black Mirror episode that's based on like mini bees that go around and kill people. Something like that. I haven't seen it. I just read about it in the research. Me neither. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. That's what a life Justine has, yeah. by the way. She doesn't even watch popular shows. She's like, have you seen this episode? Me neither, but I was reading about the research. <laughs> I do a lot of reading. Yeah. Anyway, on that depressing, yeah. somewhat depressing yes, note, yes. we'll leave it there. Uh, you can catch... The Knock-On Effect, every Thursday, new episodes at realvision.com slash knock-on effect. Yeah, every week we make a video and we also make a podcast. Yes. So Don't ask you, us why. If you want to watch the video, you should go to that website. Uh, you can also go there to sign up for your 14-day free trial. Yeah, you can get 14 days free of Real Vision. We've had a lot of good good stuff on the platform. Uh, really, really good, uh, interesting interview coming out uh, tomorrow if you're listening to this on Thursday or probably today because it's on Friday in most places or I don't know where I'm going with this, but listen, just there's a lot of good stuff. Check it out. What's going on Friday? Can I? I guess I can say so. Uh, Grant Williams is uh, interviewing Kyle Bass about his China thesis, kind of updating us on his China thesis. So, okay, good stuff. Sounds like a good time to get your free trial. All right, see you guys next Thursday. podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lipsandads.com now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com